You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We've got a lot to get into today. Our two-minute warning, as we do every Tuesday, we'll try to hit every division in the NFL and spend two minutes on one question about each of those divisions. We're going to review Monday Night Football and, of course, Tread Deadline coming. And there have been a couple trades already happening. We'll have all of those trades covered tomorrow that do happen and in all of our thoughts about what's going on with the shift midseason in the NFL at the trade deadline. This football season will be different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. That's where you tag us to get involved in our Tuesday two-minute warning segments. Matt, I don't know if we're going to have two minutes on each question because there's a lot going on right now. A couple of trades have already happened. I want to start with Monday Night Football, and then we'll get into the trade deadline madness. What do you think? Bucks, Giants. The Giants almost pulled this one off. It's almost as if they listened to our podcast yesterday, us giving them no credit and said, you know what, we're going to stick it to Peacock and Williamson, and we're just going to go win this darn thing. Yeah, I give them credit. I mean, and Daniel Jones as well. It's easy to say, boy, he made too many, you know, too many mistakes, and he is a mistake-prone guy. And I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan, but this team is battling, and he made some plays as well. He made some nice throws. He made some plays with his legs. We're seeing more and more of that. Um, the the interior of that Giants D line stood out to me too. I mean, they are three big power players. And and good ones. I mean, they they can dominate the line of scrimmage against anybody. So I thought that was noteworthy. Um, the we we kind of expected the Bucks to kind of go in on a business trip and win this game, and to some degree they did. But it was a heck of a lot closer than I would have guessed. Yeah, Leonard Williams making multiple plays there for yeah. the Giants up front, and they tested James Bradbury, which I thought was interesting. And Bradbury had a nice little battle going with Mike Evans, and Evans uh, got the better of it at the end, especially with that diving touchdown reception that turned out to be uh, you know, a game winner there, five catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like Evans beat Bradbury like a drum, and they, they tried him multiple times. Bradbury made some plays. Evans made some plays. So that was a fun matchup to watch, and, and what a catch by Evans at the end. Yeah, and I think he said something after that he's finally starting to feel healthy. Like, I know fantasy owners have been really down on Evans, and especially when Godwin plays, he'll get like one target, two targets. And you and I, I think, talked about this too a couple times, that he's just too good a player. To, and I think that we're going to see the true Mike Evans from starting last night for the rest of the year, hopefully. And then you add Godwin back to the mix and you add AB in whatever capacity he's going to play. And it looks like Fournette's grabbing a hold of that backfield, especially from a receiving perspective. And Gronk looks a little better. And we didn't see it in full force last night, but this offense has a chance to be really good. Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. I, I liked what I've seen from the rookie Tyler Johnson, but he's yeah. not going to get much run, I don't think, once uh, A.B. is on board. And then you get Godwin back and Mike Evans now rounding into form. It's a scary offense, but uh, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson might be those guys that, that are going to be afterthoughts now in that offense. And uh, you still got Cameron Brake there with Rob Gronkowski. I mean, it, what, what are you going to do on defense when you cover that team? you got to go straight up with everybody, and someone's going to be able to beat you. 
Yeah, and we know Brady, and he's looking more and more comfortable. Although he's struck, I'm going to talk about him in a second. But he's really good at wherever the best matchup is. That's where I'm going to go with the football, mm-hmm. and they're always going to have some kind of matchup they're going to like pre-snap. I, I didn't like how Brady played to start this game, though. I mean, the things that worry me about the older quarterbacks aren't necessarily, boy, they don't have the arm strength anymore. You know, we talk about that with Breeze all the time. But it's more, uh, especially, and this has been a Brady thing for a while and certainly was a Manning thing. They don't like the cold. <laughs> you know, like us old guys don't like getting oh, yeah. hit in the cold. Your <laughs> bones hurt a little more. And they also, the the fatigue of the season, and it's too early for that, but I want to see how Ben, Rivers, Brady, Breeze, all these guys look in December when the, when the season's starting to wear on you a little bit. Yeah, and we saw it with Brady last year. We've seen it with Breeze over the last few years, and, and in multiple games, Brady started a little bit slow and then sort of warmed up. And and I think that's, you know, not necessarily weather wise, but yeah, that's part of it. So consistency for Brady will be key. But when he gets going, he gets going and he's locked in and he's still, uh, you know, one of the greats when that happens. And of course, um, you know, the the Bucks defense, I think, played pretty well. They didn't dominate like I thought they would against the Giants offense. So credit to the Giants as well for that. But they're still a beatable defense, even though they're one of the league's better defenses. So what we're learning around the league is that. All of these teams are beatable at one time or another. By the way, five quarterback hits for Ndamukong Sue in that game, I just noticed. Ooh, and, yeah, he uh, did show up. Yeah, right? and definitely he showed up. I love the rookie, Antoine Winfield. So uh, there's just there's a lot to like, but every team in the NFL right now is beatable, even the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers that I think we're going to talk about oh, a little yeah. bit in the uh, in the two-minute warning segment. So uh, a fun team, the Buccaneers, but they're, they're beatable, and I think the Giants prove that because they're one of the worst teams in the league and almost upset them Monday night. Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at the box score, all the team stats. They're like identical. I mean, in terms of passing yards, rushing yards, yards per play, um, you know, time of possession. This was a very evenly played game. Fun game for Monday Night Football. So I'm glad that that one didn't turn out to be a laugher. And it's a it's another lesson, too. When you see those lines, you're like, yeah, minus 12 for the Bucks. You almost got to take it because the Giants are so bad. That's the caveat with some of those big lines because it's so easy for another NFL team. Like, this is an NFL team. They're going to go out there yeah. and they have grown, the, grown man on the roster. Uh, and they can keep a game within two or three scores. Without question. And almost Without win. Question. And almost win this one. Okay. Uh, we've got some trades to talk about here. Let's hit those. We'll hit a two-minute warning. And uh, it's a fun day around the NFL at the trade deadline. We're going to be about four hours out from the trade deadline. So we'll cover everything that happens last minute on tomorrow's Peacock and Williamson. For now, we'll cover the trades that have happened around the NFL. Are you hitting a wall? Is there a part of your day that you just can't break through? Well, now you can break through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take, one and a half ounce packages. It's energy, protein, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine to get you going. And it's small, easy to carry, easy to take. Put it in your briefcase. Have your most focused presentation at work ever. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, too. It's like having an energy drink without that same crash of this overly sugared beverage much healthier for you because it's natural and better for the body three delicious flavors peanut butter honey coconut chocolate and chocolate mint go to builtgo.com and use promo code locked and you'll get 20 percent off your next order that is promo code locked for 20 percent off at builtgo.com let's go a lot going on in san francisco right now matt and more injuries jimmy garoppolo 
re-aggravated his high ankle sprain. He was already kind of not right, and it was pretty clear. I've talked about that on the podcast many times that he's not pushing off that ankle and hasn't all year since that injury happened in week two. So maybe maybe came back a little bit early. Now he's going to go back on the IR, could miss six weeks. He might even need surgery on that high ankle sprain, could be done for the season. And now George Kittle might be done for the season as well, broke a bone in his foot. So almost all the best players in the 49ers are gone, except for Fred Warner at this point in the season. And it's almost to the point where the Niners just have to scrap this and say, you know what, we're going to have to try again next year because now George Kittle out eight weeks might miss just the rest of the year with that broken bone in his foot. That one's going to be awfully difficult to overcome. I mean, I, I think they're in good hands with Nick Mullins. It's probably best to shut Jimmy down, at least for, you know, like you said, these, these six weeks, because he's been battling through it. He hasn't looked the same. Kittle, though, I mean, I, I think you agree with me, but I, I've said several times, I think he's the best offensive player in the league that's not a quarterback and is such a difference maker and was just when my fantasy team was turning the corner and Kittle's my tight end, boom, that one hits. So, oh, well, I kind of feel like your Niners. Um, but, boy, the, don't the Niners just scream that that summer conversation of who's going to go worse to first this year? You know, like <laughs> Bosa comes back, Kittle comes yeah. back. I mean, better draft pick than usual. Like, look out next year for these guys. It just wasn't their year. And that, that happens to Super Bowl runners up a lot. It's amazing. And people yeah, talked about all offseason long, the Super Bowl hangover and not being able to get back. And it's like, oh, it's all hogwash. And it's like almost sure. like the football gods are like, nope, you lose the Super Bowl. You have to suck for a while. That's those are the rules. I'm <laughs> you sorry. Pay the price. <laughs> all right, pay the fiddler. It's pretty amazing losing everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine that turnaround, though, a team that's missing superstar players that impact every single play on offense and defense. And we on Locked on 49ers, we we did a little exercise where we drafted the current roster and the first two picks were Nick Bosa and George Kittle. And you're Kittle, probably, yeah. without those guys for, you know, most of the season for Bosa and half the season now for George Kittle. I mean, how do you overcome that? That's really tough. So the 49ers still at four and four do have an outside chance, uh, but uh, it's a tough one with the NFC West. What's going on there? And there's just not enough spots in the NFC West for the Niners to sneak in, even if they go 500 the rest of the way, or even a game over 500, it might be difficult. So we'll see what that looks like for the 49ers, who could be in sell mode for the next few hours, have already sold one piece. Quan Alexander headed to the New Orleans Saints. The 49ers getting a conditional fifth-round pick back along with Kiko Alonso. And my take on this trade from the Niners' perspective is, A, getting rid of Quan Alexander's salary, because they're up against sure. the cap now, and they're going to ha have some tough decisions to make. He clearly wasn't in the plans. They have Drake Greenlaw, who's jumped in as a fifth rounder on a rookie contract to start in Quan Alexander's place. And then, and then getting a draft pick back, which the 49ers are definitely going to need because they're going to need some cheap talent going forward. And they've actually drafted very well in the fifth round. Dre Greenlaw being one of those George Kittle being another. So the uh, 49ers adding some draft picks, cutting some salary. And I think Kiko Alonso is just a throw in for the Saints saying, look, you got to take some salary back. I don't know if Kiko Alonso will even play for the 49ers. He was on the pup list and still coming off an ACL injury. So, uh, not a huge factor, I think, in this trade. It was all about salary dump and getting some draft picks. Yeah, that's my exact take on Alonzo, too, is, hey, we'll do this deal if you take Alonzo off our payroll for the rest of the year. Okay, no problem. You know, yeah. We'll give you the fifth. Um, couple questions. Alexander, I think, helps the Saints, and I think their defense has a lot of ability but could use a kick in the butt. You know, I mean, just it, it hasn't quite played up to that level. I think this is a good message to your locker room that – hey, we've won a handful of games in a row. 
we're in it to win this thing. We're a very aggressive team. We're going to add another piece on this defense, help you guys out. A brand name guy that can run in the dome. And, you know, uh, so I, I like the addition. Um, my question to you, Niners wise, and again, this works out really well for the Niners is just just get him off the book so we can use that money elsewhere. I don't know if our listeners know enough about Greenlaw. I mean, I know he's a starter. He was a nice find. But do you think the Niners will be, I don't know, third round pick on a linebacker next year or anything like that? No, I don't. Happy with these dudes? I don't think so. I think they're solid with Fred Warner being the middle linebacker. And mm-hmm. Greenlaw is a very similar player, actually, to Quan Alexander. Athletic and will fly around the field yeah. and make some mistakes at times. And uh, I can see why the Saints would want to add some speed and someone who could cover in Quan Alexander. Very different style of linebacker than Kiko Alonso is at this point in his career. Even if they got Alonso back, he, he's not that athletic guy that can cover. Uh, so that, that's why they wanted Quan Alexander. And for the 49ers, a strong side linebacker type, some depth for sure. They could look into the draft, but I think they're really good with in nickel. They're two guys that are out there most of the time in Fred Warner and Dre Green. And obviously Warner's one of, if not the best linebackers in the NFL, and it covers so much ground, can do so many things there, which is why they were willing to trade someone like Quan Alexander. He's going to bring a ton of energy to the Saints, and he's a good locker room guy, and everyone loved him. He's going to bring energy, and he's going to fly around the field, and I think that speed is really what New Orleans was looking for there. Yeah, and send him back to the NFC South where he's familiar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta be honest, I didn't. Lo- I've, I've really liked how the Niners have built this team under this regime, but I thought that was an overpay from day one. To be very honest, with oh you. yeah, it was a huge overpay yeah. from day one. Essentially, they were trying to buy out their mistake of Reuben Foster, and they actually even gave Paul yeah. Alexander the number fifty six that Foster was wearing, playing the same role, the same position. That's exactly what that was. They screwed up. And then they they screwed up again and overcorrected and overpaid for a linebacker to try to get another position in there. And the the 49ers defense in their scheme does need some athletic linebackers that can cover some ground and coverage. Yeah, I just find it interesting. Since we're talking Niners, we'll preview Thursday night when we get to it. But this little blurb just came across the screen right before we went to record. And I just think it's really interesting because the, the Niners aren't in a good place, but Neither are the Packers right now, and I'm excited for this Thursday nighter. I just did a video on it. But what I find really interesting is we know Aaron Jones has been hurt, and it sounds like he's probably not going to play on a short week. They'll save him until next week, which makes perfect sense. A.J. Dillon, the second-round pick, is on the COVID list. I mean, he's been he, – so he's out. And they just ruled Jamal Williams out because he's been hanging out with Dillon. So he's not allowed to play. So your Niners get to play the Packers – Without any running backs, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a wild game. And seeing how easy it is to run on the Packers, the 49ers should still be able to do that. And it'll be a Nick Mullins run offense. And, you know, he's not afraid to sling the ball a little bit. And so if the Packers overcorrect and try to throw everybody in the box to stop the run, he can make some plays with his arm. And Jermichael Hasty, start Jermichael Hasty, start Aaron Rodgers, start. Devonte Freeman, like you know, start start the players because it's going to be all pass from the Packers and all run from the 49ers. It's it's a really interesting matchup, and despite everything that we just mentioned that's going on with San Francisco, it's not a terrible matchup for them Thursday night on a no. short week against the Packers with no running backs. Right. I mean, the Packers are in kind of a bind here. That that's it's just an interesting COVID development here. And we've already seen twice last year. The 49ers doing a number on the Packers, just running right. them straight off of the field. And the two of the last three weeks, that's been the M.O. of the Packers defense is just getting killed in the running game. And, and that gave them no shot to win those games. Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan has just destroyed this team. I mean, uh, I just read a little nugget. I'm pulling it up now. 
the Niners have scored 30 or more points all three games against Green Bay since hiring Kyle Shanahan. Like, that might happen again. I don't care who their running backs are or if Kittle's in and all these things. So, we talked Niners enough, but I really right. thought that running back nugget was interesting for the Packers. Yeah, we'll have a few more notes Thursday about that Thursday nighter with the Packers and the 49ers. Uh, another trade that happened Monday that we didn't get a chance to talk about because it was announced just after we stopped recording, and that is the Chargers trading Desmond King to the Titans, and L.A. gets a sixth-round pick back, and uh, this one was a little bit surprising because, and really, I think it was a, a great get for the Titans because I really like Desmond yeah. King and his flexibility, sort of a, a safety-slash-cornerback hybrid, can play in the slot, one of the better slot-type players in this league, and can give you a little value on special teams as well. Yeah, I really like the player, too. Um, he hasn't made as much of an impact the last year or so as he did early in his career, but... They need all the coverage help they can get. You mentioned his versatility. He's got a real toughness about him as cover guys go that I bet Rabel likes quite a bit. And, I mean, we've talked Chargers a fair amount yesterday. I guess it's time to, to clearly be a seller. I mean, your record just screams that you're out of it. Mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate that they're having to peddle assets, you know, pedal assets because I think they're a good roster and they just squander away leads. I mean – uh, I, 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 people have listened to me over the years. I'm not one to call for coaches' heads very often, but man, Anthony Lynn to me is his seat would be red hot if I owned that team. His seat should be extremely hot, and I, I thought Desmond King. Was, the the reason that the trade surprised me was that I thought Desmond King would be a piece for them going forward, and yeah. you know, not somebody that you just trade away all willy-nilly, and they didn't get a ton back in return, so that was the surprising part of the trade for me. I think it's a perfect fit for the Titans, and you know, maybe he's not a shutdown guy or anything like that, but he's a pretty good, valuable player, and playing well in the slot is an important asset to have in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's a nice pickup for them, and maybe they keep him for a while. He could be a long-term asset for them. I think their secondary needs work. Dory Jackson's return helps a little, but Man, their pass rush is so bad in Tennessee is that it's really the root of the problem. Their secondary doesn't have great speed and their pass rush. I mean, Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney are two of the most overrated players in the whole league. <laughs> yeah, I thought there would be a little bit more. Vic Beasley, the writing's on the wall. We already saw what yeah, he is, right. and I think it was really clear. And that was just um, a, a little bit of a, I don't know, I guess the, the Titans were... They were beggars at that position. They're like, well, what what can we get? Well, we can get Vic Beasley. And it's like, oh, now we can get Jadavian Clowney. Well, let's bring in everybody we can and try to help this pass rush and, and help get some edge here. But I thought Clowney would be a bigger difference maker for that Titans defense just because, and maybe not in pure sack numbers, but just being disruptive because he's such a disruptive yeah. player and can take over games. And we haven't seen a lot of that, but, you know, he can turn it on like the flip of a switch. So who knows? Maybe we'll see more of that with Clowney where he does take over some games down the stretch. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I've never been a believer. I always thought he'd be the most overrated free agent in this offseason. And obviously the NFL agreed with me because he sat out there for a while. But I'm with you. I mean, you would think he'd bring something to the table. I mean, he has obvious faults in that he's not an edge bender. He's His effort's flat out bad, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it's somewhat embarrassing at times. But you would still think he would have several splash plays a game, and he doesn't. We've got to get to the two-minute warning here, Matt, and it's going to have to be a one-minute warning as we finish up the final segment with some listener questions. And we do have some suggestions about the next Chargers coach, if indeed Anthony Lynn is on the hot seat, as you predicted. Coming up on Peacock and Williamson.
This is not about a specific division or a specific team, but Kaz Kaz on Twitter said, when your team loses, but you hit most of your bets, thanks to at at Williamson NFL and at BD Peacock. And uh, there was an animated gif of Woody Harrelson drying his tears with $100 bills. So I appreciate that, (laughs) Kaz Kaz, and I hope... You know, I, I wouldn't advise people use my, using my picks to go and bet and spend their hard-earned cash on it, but I'm glad we did help some folks out with their picks this week. And don't ever feel bad about telling us thanks or you oh, know, yeah. asking for our PayPal account or any of those things <laughs> right. Yeah, our cash app. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, and, right, and we always right. love hearing from you, so appreciate Venmo, sure. the feedback there. Tony says, Robert Sala is going to end up coach of the Chargers, isn't he? And this sounds like a 49ers fan that's that doesn't want to lose his defensive coordinator in Robert Sala. What do you do if you're the Chargers? Are you looking for a defensive head coach knowing that you have your quarterback in place? Or do you want an offensive mastermind to run the whole show to be that guy with your young quarterback in Justin Herbert? We might butt heads a little on Sala. And I'll preface this by saying one of my hardest aspects of my job, I always talk about injuries being one of the hardest things for me to analyze but analyzing assistant coaches is – I'm not qualified to do it. No mm-hmm. one in the media is, even Schefter or people that are super dialed in because I've been in buildings, and when you are spend every day with these people, you realize how good, bad, ugly they are. So I'm doing this from afar. I don't know that Solo would be real high on my coaches list, and here's my reasoning. How, and, but I'm going to start it with one other thing. If he's a great leader of men – which he comes across as energetic, smart players respond to him, then throw everything I'm about to say out the window because it doesn't matter. And that's the most important. I, by no means am I saying he's a bad defensive coordinator and there's many coordinators who fit this bill when they have great players, Bosa Buckner, you know, they have a great defense when they have mediocre players, they have a mediocre defense when they have below average players, they have a below average defense. Like, I don't know that he's a great schemer that can turn chicken crap into chicken soup as a defensive <laughs> play caller. But if he's young, smart, energetic, a leader, he can be my head coach. There's too many things working against Robert Sala to become the head coach of the Chargers, in my opinion. You hit on one of them, and we've seen a lot of these cover three offshoots that came out of the Seattle system originally, and they've spread around the league. And when you do have the bullets, you're right. Those defenses can be so hard to play against because there's not a lot of places to go with the football and you're good up front, you're good in the back end, and it's just not a lot of margin for error and people flying around rallying to the football. That's what we've seen with the 49ers. I actually think Robert Sala's coaching job this year has been better than their 2019 defense when they had the best defense in the league. And it's because of what he's been able to do with that chicken crap, right? With There's no Richard Sherman. There's no Nick Bosa. And the 49ers defense has not been the problem this year. They've been put out on the field way too often by their offense. It's the offense that's not holding up their end of the bargain. So I've been actually really impressed by the job that Robert Saul has done on defense and the progression he's made from a really vanilla, simple cover three scheme to showing a lot more different looks. He's had to dial up more blitzes this season. He's had to play more man coverage, more too high, a lot more quarters coverage. So he's developing in the way his defense looks. And it's not uh, that the front seven is a lot different than the the traditional Seattle scheme that he brought over that really changed last year more so and playing three true linebackers instead of being sort of a hybrid 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three front and then using the wide nine defensive line alignment more like, you know, a Zimmer or a, a Schwartz in 
in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So the the scheme has changed, and for those reasons, I'd be very much behind Robert Sala. But here's the thing: they just had Gus Brad, or they still have Gus Bradley uh, in Los Angeles, right, with the Chargers, who runs the cover three scheme. Are they going to want to go back to that same type of a defensive philosophy? And if you are a defensive head coach, the first question you're going to get asked is, okay, who's going to be your offensive coordinator? You know, because that's going to be a really important thing. So there's a lot of things working against Robert Sala. I think there's some fits for him. I think the Chargers might not be the one. Strong rebuttal by you there on, on his uh, X's and O's acumen. I like that. Um, and back to the Chargers, I wouldn't, into this original question, for that team in particular, I wouldn't say offense defense i want a leader i think that that organization has been a little rudderless on and off the field of late and their pension for losing close games i'm not sure is an accident i think it's a reflection of what's going on behind the scenes and lack of halftime adjustment and you know uh, an overall strength of the of the organization so I might look for an experienced guy to some degree. If there is a good experienced coach, I think that's always going to be something that teams are going to look for first. And we'll see what it's like with the Jets. If they end up with Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be a very similar situation to the Chargers where it's like, okay, we got, we got this young quarterback. We need to do everything we can for him. So I really think those two teams probably lean toward an offensive minded coach unless, you know, their defensive minded coach they want to bring in is a true leader of men and has a really good plan for what they're going to do on offense and an offensive coordinator coming with them. Yeah, and I hear you. I mean, I just feel like it's too early to say this. I was about to say something along the lines of Herbert might be past that. He doesn't. I mean, but no, he still needs a ton of help. Don't don't neglect that at all. We don't have a lot of time left. We might want to just end it here because we went way over two minutes on that one, too. Even with yeah, not sure. a lot of time. But uh, Mr. Controversy himself says you did it with the NFC East, but let's flip it. How many teams would win the AFC? East and it's probably not mm-hmm. that different of a number, right, Matt? Let's let's do it quickly here and go through this with the AFC. I'm going to throw some teams out there for you. And right now, it is the Buffalo Bills who lead the AFC East at six and two, and uh, they're about uh, a game and a half up on the Miami Dolphins, who are at four and three right now. They're one back in the loss column, two back in the win column. The Patriots. Pretty much haven't. I mean, they could. I mean, the Patriots could still go 11 and 5, technically, sitting at 2 and 5. The Jets are obviously the worst team in football. And if they win one game, that'll be a huge accomplishment for them and probably something they probably shouldn't be trying to do at this point. But the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, those are the two teams. So, what teams are clearly going to beat both of those teams in the AFC East right now? I'm going to throw out the Cleveland Browns, who are currently 5 and 3, that would be right in between those two teams record wise. No. And. Miami fans are a little mad at me because I did a power rank and I had them like 15 or 14 and maybe, and I'll admit, maybe I was a little low, but you're not going to score on offense, defense, and special teams like you did this past week, every week and run the ball for 50 yards and throw the ball for 90 and blow out teams like the Rams. That was kind of a fluky performance. So I don't think Miami's a contender. I just think Buffalo is noticeably better than the Browns. Here's an interesting one. In point differential, the Miami Dolphins are the only team on the plus side in the AFC East. So, uh, I know, that's crazy. And in the NFC East, zero teams are on the plus side. Miami's plus 58. Buffalo's minus one right now. That's a pretty I interesting know. little and, 
I'll get there. Yeah, they're a little bit of a fraud, to be honest with you. My or Buffalo. I mean, their their record is a bit inflated. Here's a couple that are interesting. So the Tennessee Titans, I would assume you would say is a yes. Yes. Indianapolis Colts, same. Both teams at five and two right now in the yes. AFC South. Yes. That's it from the South, though. And then uh, the Chiefs, obviously, are a yes. What about the Las Vegas Raiders at four and three? I lean towards no, but I bet that I will would predict the Raiders to be that seventh playoff team. So I'm not disrespecting Vegas. I just think Buffalo's a little bit better football team than they are. How about this one, the four and four San Francisco 49ers that we just talked about? Maybe. I mean, I trust the coaching staff, the system, Robert Sala's ability to adjust on defense. Um, (laughs) 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 So I would say that's a coin flip. Uh, I still think that organization's pretty strong and be hard to play against. Yeah, I'm interested. I, I'm kind of excited to see what Nick Mullins looks like there in San Francisco the rest of the way and see what kind of value yeah. he has for the team going forward because they've got a lot of decisions to make in 2021 if this uh, season does indeed go the direction I think it's going in San Francisco. Bucks and Saints. Frankly, both, it's more Kittle being out than Jimmy. I mean, yeah, that, that really hurts yeah. him. He's a heart and soul player. Uh, the Bucks yeah. and the Saints are definite, definite, definite yeses, right? Oh, yeah. Arizona Cardinals, yes? No. No. I'm not saying no, but I think they're like with the Raiders um, better than the Browns. A strong maybe. Uh, I think there'd be a coin flip between the Bills and Cardinals. And Cardinal fans don't like me either. I I can't quite buy in. Yeah, it's okay, though. You got to stay strong because opinions can change week to week. I would rather you make sure that if you're going to change your opinion on a team, it's because, okay, now I fully believe, right? We don't want to be flip-flopping every week here on on P&W. And what's interesting is Miami plays the Cardinals this week. So those are my two teams I get the most heat about. Let's see how that goes. I'm going to keep a strict eye on that one. Point differential for the Cardinals, 57. So one point off with what the Dolphins are doing right now. Plus 58 and plus 57. So uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams are actually behind the Cardinals in the standings. What do you think about the Rams right now? I would take the Rams to win the AFC East. I, I know they just stumbled. But again, I thought that was a strange game. I trust that coaching staff. I think they're good on both sides of the ball. It would be a contest, but I'll take the Rams to win the East. Okay, you merge the NFC East and the AFC East. Who wins that division? Bills. Bills. And the Eagles come in second? I think the Eagles come in second over Miami, which again, Dolphin fans are going to at me. (laughs) Uh, The the last one (laughs) I think is... The last one I think is interesting here, and we'll end on this, is the Chicago Bears. If they were in the AFC East, do they win the division? Mm-hmm. That's a tough one for me. I'm going to say no. I have great respect for their defense. But, man, I mean, I've done a little bit of Bears digging, and the only the Texans are producing fewer rushing yards than the, than the Bears right now, which is just the opposite of how they need to play. And – Jacksonville's the only team in the league throwing the ball a higher percentage of the time than the Bears. Like, it's hard to win that way with those quarterbacks. All right, we're pretty much out of time here. There's some more questions. Thanks, everybody, for all the questions, but we don't have time to get to them today. Maybe we'll hit a few more questions tomorrow and keep them coming because we'll break down everything that happens at the trade deadline. We'll see if the trade deadline goes out with a whimper or there's a ton of moves that happen in the next Four hours or so, we'll have it all broken down, who the winners and losers are at the deadline, some stock up and stock down post-deadline on Wednesdays. Peacock and Williamson.